0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Well, yeah, you got that right. It's the Makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the Makers of Minnesota. Welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. I'm Stephanie Hansen, your host, and this is episode number 82. And we are here with uh, Connor Ray from Johnny Pops. His partner, Eric Bruce, is not here today, but it is a big day for you, Connor, because you have brought into my studio five new flavors of Johnny Pops. Do we call them ice cream treats, fruit treats? What's the what's the word that you use?
1: You know, we 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 typically call them Johnny Pops, but they're fro they're frozen <laughs> treats. You know, uh, we when we explain them to people to be a little bit more descriptive, we call them smoothies on a stick. They're a better tasting, better for you frozen treat, and yes, they are on a stick.
0: Okay, we have lots to talk about here. Of course, first of all, I your origin story of how you came to name these Johnny Pops is heartbreaking, but. I think, says a lot about you as a human and you as your company. Tell me about why you call them Johnny Pops.
1: Yeah, so the the name Johnny Pops comes from, from way back when I started the business with Eric uh, and a group of our college friends at St. Olaf uh, in 2011. And there was this group of us who were interested in uh, in starting a business and, and talking about ideas. And um, Eric brought forward the idea for a, a Better For You Frozen Treat, And it was actually a concept that he had come up with several years prior to us meeting at school. At Uh this point, we were sophomores at school, so this was even several years before that. Uh, And he had come up with this concept with his cousin, Jonathan. Um, And they had started thinking about what it might take to bring this idea to market. And while they were working on the concept, unfortunately, Jonathan passed away. Um, as a result of a drug overdose. And so very so understandably, um, you know, the idea kind of stopped moving forward at that uh-huh. point until uh, we met at school and started talking about uh, started talking about it again. So
0: please take this the right way, but what kind of dorks are you guys that you're sophomores in college, sitting around in your dorm room, thinking about your entrepreneurial ideas? Where, what were some of the other ideas that you threw out? Uh, you you know it
1: actually started um you know initially we thought we would be um, potentially something like uh, investment hot shots. You sure know, we actually <laughs> all dug into our our relatively skinny uh, pocketbooks and pulled out a few dollars and started um, saying, well, what if we trade this on the stock market? you know can we be the next big hedge fund or something like that and we very very quickly realized. That wasn't, you know, all that it was cracked up to be, and so we started thinking about, okay, how could we do something that was maybe uh, <laughs> going to give us a little bit better chance to do to do what we wanted to do that we were maybe better at, yeah, uh, and and accomplish things more in line with our goals of making something, of making a difference, and so that's when this idea came up, and and of course, you know, the whole backstory came with it at that point in time, and so we we Eric thought the idea still had lots of potential. We agreed with him, but had to recognize sort of what had happened with the, the concept and the idea before yep. and Jonathan. And so that's where the name came from. We decided this this idea does have a lot of potential. The product, there's a niche for it, a demand for it. And we can you know call the brand Johnny Pops. And, and we adopted the motto at that point in time. And it's on the back of every box we sell today, a better pop for a better world. And the first part of that was, and still is, donating a portion of our proceeds to supporting addiction and recovery research and rehabilitation. And so that was that was the beginning. It was an idea. It was a name, Johnny Pops, uh, making better for you, better tasting frozen treats. And and that was two thousand and eleven and and now fast forward to, to two thousand and eighteen and here we are today.
0: And here you are, have mm-hmm. you just introduced five new flavors and you were recognized as Forbes one of the Forbes thirty under thirty, which is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, that was a absolutely fantastic recognition of all the hard work that our team <laughs> sure has put was. in over the past several years to take us from an idea, you know, in a dorm basement uh, to the shelves of retailers, you know, nationwide. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Target, a great partner of ours, you know, local retailers like Lund's and Barley's, Kowalski's, Cub Foods, um, you know, and even to to mass uh, to, to, to warehouse clubs like Costco are great places where you can find us.
0: Yeah. Johnny Pops are everywhere. and. As part of the um, Forbes 30 under 30, what I thought was interesting, because I went into the food and uh, drink category, and you were tied with maybe one or two other people for being the youngest in the under 30 category. You're only 25.
1: I suppose that's what happens when you're dorky enough to be sitting around at, you know, uh 18 or so maybe it was 19 years old and and, st- and start working on it. You know, I think it takes time to develop yes. an idea. Um And you will
0: certainly have the last laugh, my friend. Um when you started the company, you started it with Eric and how much money do you remember how much money you started
1: it with? Oh, very very little. I mean, when we sort of rolled over the uh the the investment opportunities you know that we had had before this you know it was it was less than $5000 that really? we started with to do research and development and we've always done our own manufacturing so you know we were doing things like buying prototyping molds off of amazon and going you know down to the local food stores to buy ingredients to test yeah. and you know it's been a very very bootstrapped organization and because of that you know for the first several years we did things like farmers markets yeah. um because it was a way not only for us to interact directly with our consumers but to create cash flow you know we had to take the product direct to market to have the chance to to bootstrap it until we had you know grown it to a size where we could take it to a retailer and have them do some of the selling for us, but of course that comes at a cost. You know, yeah. now you have to have room for for the for the retailer, and because we're a frozen product, our product doesn't just walk itself onto the shelves. It has to stay frozen from the time it leaves our, you know, our manufacturing facility until it reaches the store shelves, and um, you know, and that can be a long, complicated, and sometimes expensive process. And- yeah,
0: it's interesting that. When you look at products that have refrigeration needs or perishable needs, it does sort of throw you into a whole nother complexity of category. Absolutely. Um, One thing that I'm really impressed by is the way that you've not only you have a very um, unique brand and also a very, oh, the brand is it's a logo, it's a font, it's a color, it's a lifestyle, it's a feeling You have um, slogans on the sticks that are sort of empowering messages
1: and positivity. Yeah, that was a fantastic part of the brand that we started testing, you know, a year or two after we started it. We were looking for more ways to tie in that mission, that Better Pop for Better World mission with the people who were, you know, enjoying the product. And. You know, what we thought of as well, you know, some people put a joke on the stick. Yeah. Some people put a quote on the stick. And we really wanted to encourage everyone to make the world a better place. You know, we obviously felt like we were trying to do our part and, you know, and the way that we contributed, uh, you know, after, you know, in Jonathan's name and to the cause. And um, but we wanted to get everyone involved. And, and so we put these what we call better world challenges on every stick that are just little good deeds that encourage everyone to pay it forward. And, you know, and we coined the phrase, make the world a better place one pop at a time time um, to really create that interaction and make sure that everyone could be a part of it and feel good about, you know, eating the product. That's why we we take pride in our simple ingredient statement and formulation and, you know, low calorie counts, you know, better for you nutritionals, but also in sharing the story and in sharing the good deeds and, and the, the whole, you know, the feeling of being able to share something that you feel good about.
0: I can't, it's funny listening to you because I'm trying to like figure out whether like is it because the product it, it is a great tasting product. Mm-hmm. It just is. It's a good tasting product. And I can't figure out if it's the story that sold it or the product because it tastes so good sold it. What do you think was your like ace in the hole?
1: Well, I mean, I absolutely believe that the story is an interesting story. Whether yeah, it's the it fact really that we were um, so young yeah. in college and students when we started it, or you love the cause, you know, that we stand for, yep. or, or it's the, you know, the branding that ropes you in. I think all of that is interesting and it draws people in and gives us a chance to for them to try the product. And we think that's all very important and we care very deeply about the mission and the brand. But a, a key part of the brand, it's it's a better pop for a better world. And so a key part of it is the better pop. It
0: has to and be good. And fundamentally
1: for a food product, we believe you have to win with a great taste and texture and fantastic product that people want to come back for and enjoy, and I think that's what keeps the brand growing. Is we don't just get someone to be intrigued and try it once; um, we get them to be intrigued and we get them to try it, and then they realize that wow, it's it's lower in calories, fat, and sugar, and the ingredients list is simple and clean. And I'm not giving up something delicious here. This is not a compromise. No, it's this just is tasty in it's a own great right. tasty, better for me treat that I can enjoy. Uh, you know, whenever I want to, and and that's we don't release products. You know, it took us a long time to release five new products. Yeah, and that's because we didn't believe in releasing products that were just sort of me twos or that didn't deliver fully on that brand promise of these are gonna be great tasting, made with simple ingredients, and people are gonna love them.
0: So if we like the one of the new flavors you have is this cherry chocolate and cream. It is we we joked it's kind of like a cherry Garcia but it's on a stick. It's this cherry, um, Michigan cherry formulation with a robe of dark chocolate and it's one of the new flavors. You mentioned that you sold that at the state fair. That's it's spectacular.
1: Yeah, so we debuted a, a cherry product at the state fair several years ago, um, and that was actually themed after the cherry on a spoon sculpture. So uh-huh. rather than our standard stick, uh, in partnership with the Walker Art Center, we really we had spoon shaped. Uh, sticks that went in there and then it was that tart cherry dipped in dark chocolate and it was met with rave reviews it got four out of four stars uh you know it was called the best new product on a stick you know at the fair when we released it and and those were all great things but you know what people were sad about is that the state fair is only 14 days long and it wasn't available at their favorite retailer wherever they were buying the product and so for the past several years you know every fall we go through this cycle of where can I buy these? When are these going to be available at my favorite retailer? And, you know, finally, after getting some friends for that that cherry chocolate product, um, we released a line of five new uh, what we call our delights flavors that are more, uh, you know, that are not necessarily fruit focused, although the cherry one does happen to include um include cherries as well but you know our our root beer float our vanilla mint dipped in dark chocolate our dark chocolate product and our our cold pressed coffee dark chocolate product we've now got this great line that appeals to you know people who weren't necessarily thinking i'm going to the store looking for a fruit product um and and we're happy that people can finally get it and i gotta say well wherever we are here uh a week or two into them being on shelves and only three or four days after we sort of you know told people they're there uh that particular flavor uh, has been flying off the shelves. <laughs> it's a
0: total winner. And I, you know, your product was one that I would eat at a festival or I would eat in the summertime, but I wouldn't probably buy it in the wintertime. It's just not my thing. And I don't have kids, so it's not really my speed. The, the cream and the chocolate and this adult more, I guess I'm calling it an adult line and it's not. We'll call it the delight line, which is how you call it on your website, is something I would buy twenty four seven.
1: Yeah, I mean we find, I mean we see people purchasing the product year round. Uh, certainly, there's seasonal upswings sure. and seasonal downswings, but uh, you know, people <laughs> Minnesotans are hearty. Yeah, uh, they're they're happy to enjoy a treat. Uh, at any time of the year, it's actually funny. If you look at the the week-by-week week sales data, you'll see the first time it gets cold, it's like everyone's like, oh, no, I can't buy ice cream. It's cold. And then like a week or two later, everyone's like, well, never mind. I still it's want it. Yeah. I still want it anyways. <laughs> I still want to buy it. I uh, love but, the- but we are getting into spring here. And, of course, that always gets people back in. You know, it's sort of the inverse happens. Yeah. It's, you know a bump in the other direction of, oh, right, there is this time of the year when we it's warm and sunny and outdoors. And then, of course, we timed the launch to, capital, you yeah. know, to, to capitalize on the fact that warmth and summer treats are on people's mind.
0: I do love um, the other part of your business. So you've got the delight line, the fruit line, which mm-hmm. is what you started with. And then you have this thing called Smart Snacks
1: that you have marketed to schools, Correct. Yeah, so we we started actually before we ever sold any product to a retailer. We started as I mentioned with the farmers markets. And then we started to selling to like vendors who would be out around, you know, the lakes in Minneapolis right. or at the Minnesota Zoo and sell pops, you know, one by one to people who were out and about and wanted a treat. And that's where we started and uh, eventually what that turned into is there's companies that distribute to those vendors um, and, and their food service distributors and those people, those companies brought in our products. And once you start working with a food service distributor, that opens up the avenue to all sorts of restaurants and hospitals and you know corporate campuses yep. and, and schools. And so schools started encountering our products through these companies who they were buying their other food from. And, uh, and through some partnership there, we found out about it. And uh, eventually, uh, must have been about 2012. The federal government implemented a set of regulations called Smart Snacks for Schools, and our full-size products um, didn't quite meet the criteria uh, for those uh, for those programs. Now we were very close, much closer than most sure. ice cream. And so uh, some schools came to us and said, "We were using your product. You know, it's so close. It's just a little bit." Too big. You know, we need you to make like these one or two small changes. We don't think they're very big, but you should know about this whole regulation that just happened. And it might be an opportunity for you guys. And so rather than actually just making a few small changes, we said, thanks for you know bringing us this information. What if we didn't just make a small change? What if we actually worked with you to develop a product that really fit? like checked all the boxes that you could be looking for, you know, to make it a great fit for your program and your needs as school food service professionals and, and, you know, for using with your kids and uh, we work with them for several months to totally go back to the drawing board and say, okay, we make it smaller, you know, we pack it differently, it gets more efficient for everyone, you know, we work on some special flavors that are going to really, you know, hit, be a hit with kids in schools. And we launched a totally new uh, set of products that checked all those boxes for schools and made it very attractive. And so we now have two flavors in that in that side of our business that we can uh, that schools can use. They can sell to kids through the a la carte line and it makes a fantastic addition you know, to their menus instead of a cookie or you know right, a, right. a vanilla chocolate ice cream sundae cup. That was so um, smart. You know, that's, it's great for the kids. It's over 50% real fruit. Uh, and it's really teaching them that message that, that the schools are trying to impart to the kids of food can, can be both delicious and better for you. So if we're looking at 100% of your sales,
0: uh, the delight line is brand new, so we don't have statistics from Absolutely. that yet. But the fruit line and the smart snacks—what percentage of the business is this smart snacks school side?
1: You know, it's been the fastest growing part of our business because so. it was several. It was several years behind. We didn't actually launch that product until at least 2014. I think you know it was our sort of test year. Yeah. We piloted it just in the local markets, and at that point, we had you know, distribution on our other product lines in at least fifteen states. And so since then it's really been a game of catch up and it's been very, very growing very, very quickly. And and we certainly hope that in the long run, you know, it can be as much as an equal partner in yeah. our business as our is our retail line. Uh, because and this is a sort of a fun, fun bonus fact. Um, the schools and, and their lunch programs are the biggest, you know, I'll call them restaurant operation in the country. They use more food than pretty much anything else. And um, and it's a great, you know, it's a great product. There's not a lot else filling that yeah. niche. That has, So if you can
0: get into yeah. that side, it's lucrative.
1: Uh, you know, it is. It, it's something where it's, it's a set of government programs. Um, you know, there's not a lot of uh, ability, you know, to, to price, uh, yeah. to take price there. Uh, so we, we do it as a way to, uh, you know, keep people working at our plant through the winter, which yep. was traditionally our off-peak months. And provide a product that we really think was missing and fills a great niche there and um, you know in the long run as we grow and we get scale at the end of the day yes it's a it's a part of our business we want to have but you know it's certainly not uh, the most lucrative part of the business just because it's you know it's the government yeah, the government exactly. programs and uh, they're trying to be efficient in what they can bring in for bring in and serve to, to kids yep. every day.
0: But it's also maybe a marketing side too, where the kids learn about the products. Are they? Are you know,
1: they... We've certainly taken that view on it as well. Yeah. You know, if it's going to be something um, that we do do in a very efficient manner, you know, can we still make sure we're putting out products that we can stand behind with the Johnny Pop's name that are truly embodying that that better pop and better world mission, and that you know then we can put the brand on it, and people will. I've had a chance to taste and experience what, what that name means and, and, and potentially encounter it somewhere else down the line yeah. and, and, and know that. Then I've had a chance to, to experience it before.
0: So you've always been making your own product. Did you ever have it where you were with a co-packer or did you just keep buying equipment and growing we and have making not, it yourself? We
1: have always done our own manufacturing. and. As we've grown, uh, we've learned that there are some things that, that we do in our product, you know, and our, our product is unique. If you go out to the grocery store and you look in the aisle, there's nothing else that has that smoothie-on-a-stick consistency where uh, you're getting that creaminess, that vibrant flavor. You know, it's so high in fruit content on very the fruit, fruit flavors. Very fruit-forward, yep. Exactly. And, and part of the reason is it's very difficult to manufacture that way. That is not... Standard, you know, if you go look at a frozen yogurt bar, or you go look at an ice cream bar, they're different, you know, and even a water ice fruit bar, yeah, which is what so many of the fruit bars are, you know, they're water and ice, and yeah. maybe some coloring or flavoring, and other things thrown in there, but the way that uh, you manufacture those is is very different from what we do, and then you get a very different product at the end, and so we developed our process for manufacturing our product from the ground up with the end in mind of we're not gonna change. The end product that the consumer enjoying, because that's what we stand for, um, we're going to change the way we do the manufacturing. And if you start working with contract manufacturers, it almost works the other way around. And yeah, you know that's the way big companies sometimes do development. Is here's our list of capabilities. What could the capabilities produce? And and that what we weren't willing to compromise on product. We said the product has to be this. So then how do we work backwards to develop that process? And you know it's so many things. It's hundreds and thousands of just different tweaks to this traditional manufacturing processes that have allowed us to consistently produce that high quality texture, flavor profile that people now understand is, is being that smoothie on a stick Johnny Pops texture.
0: If so to introduce five new products, how did you get to the number of five and can you put like, is it, you know, each new product costs us $10,000 to develop or,
1: how did you get to where you are today? Well, the number five is is more straightforward, <laughs> probably a less interesting answer uh, than I wish it was. Um, when you look at our product on shelf at a grocery store in a standard grocery freezer door, yep. five boxes fit across a shelf. Okay. And so it was a logical number to say we want to add another, another shelf, shelf of, of distribution to our stores um, because it just looks funny you know, if you look at a shelf and it's you know cut with all sorts of yeah. different brands and products. It, it's kind of confusing to stare at. Makes it more difficult to find and makes retailers hesitant to, to do it sometimes. And so, so five was a number we intentionally said this is logical. This makes sense. To get to five products, though, we started with uh, hundreds might be an exaggeration, but with a, a pretty long list of potential flavor ideas. Uh, that our team came up with you know we talk to everyone in the organization whether you're out there selling product or you're on the floor making product or you're you know processing payments and <laughs> our accounting department about what idea you know we solicit ideas from everyone to say what, what was would the weirdest say? one oh i you know the weirdest one where you were just like no i don't know um you know Citrus and dairy have some interesting reactions yep. because of the acidity and the pH, and so I don't know that it that the, the citrus ideas necessarily sound bad, like like lemon lime yeah, or lemonade. Great. They sound good in principle, but I can tell you they're kind of funky when when we tested them. Yep. Um. And we do have long term aspirations to maybe research our way out, you know, to, to uh, out of those problems sure. because I you know I think they are flavors that generally appeal to people, but those ended up being uh some of the funkier flavors that we tested and you know we had this you know it wasn't just what tastes great too it's also what where are the holes in the market yeah but what are the flavor profiles that people really enjoy that we can make that taste great you know it's sort of an overlapping set of ideas here what can we what can we produce that tastes great you know in our format and what's gonna what's gonna fit in the marketplace what's gonna uh, fly off the shelf once we put it out there
0: how many people are in your company
1: as of right now we have about 42 people that is incredible yeah and it stems from the fact that we we make the product ourselves Mm -hmm. you know and, and everything that that entails whether it be the you know ongoing maintenance and upkeep of our facility to the planning and procurement side of our business because we take great care with what we use to make the product because we don't cover it up you know i use the example of our strawberries you know we buy some of the best strawberries in the world Because if I don't buy the best strawberries in the world, I don't get any color or any flavoring to cover up whatever deficiencies might exist in the fruit. So we actually look at testing on every single batch of strawberries that comes into our possession Uh, before we buy it. We say, okay, we need this quantity and we need to look at every individual batch and run testing on it so that it meets these specific criteria to bring it in. And that's a lot of work. You know, that's when you when you talk about commodities, a lot of times people yeah. want to just homogenize everything and say, well, it's all the same. And, and we say, no, that's that's not true. And that's not acceptable because we won't be able you know, if, if it if it comes in and it's not ripe or it's sour or it doesn't taste right, then that's what our consumer <laughs> at the end of the day is going to taste. And that's not the, the better pop for a better world experience that, that we stand for. And you and Eric are partners. Are you both 50 50? You know, at this point in time, we've had other people, you know, involved in the business as we've grown, um, as we've grown and built out our manufacturing plant. We've had, you know, support of of local investors and people who have been, you know, uh, historical members of the food and egg community here in Minnesota. So at this point, you know, it's a little bit more diverse than that. Uh, But, you know, that's allowed us to get to where we are today and preserve and build the team and bring in great people to the team. You know, Eric and I wouldn't, be here today if we didn't have the support of the people selling the product and making the product and marketing the product, sure. and and we couldn't, we just wouldn't have done it all ourselves. We couldn't have done it all ourselves, and and a lot of the credit for for the five new flavors, for the Forbes 30 under 30, for everything we've accomplished goes to to that group of people. And let alone then on top of that, the need to to actually continue to expand our physical plant because right. we are doing the manufacturing ourselves, and and we're proud of that, and that I don't, we wouldn't go back and do it any differently.
0: Right. Um, did you have to ask investors for money?
1: Yeah. Over time, you know, that's that's what happens as the business grows and you look at opportunities that present themselves and you say, that's that's undeniably what's right for our business. We need to seize that opportunity. We need to grow. And then you back into that and say, great. So what does that mean? Well, it means things like you need these people on the team. Mm-hmm. You need these capabilities operationally. You need these capabilities to produce. You need these capabilities to deliver. Um, and you figure out what that means. And if that means that you need to have access to capital, then, you know, we <laughs> you go do a roadshow. Exactly. You go figure out what it takes to, to bring that capital into the business.
0: I don't mean to belabor the fact that you're 25, because I think coming from someone who's older like me, it can be like, oh, and you're only 25. But it's it's you're very well spoken. You're very Thank articulate. You. You're an incredibly smart young man. You guys have grown this company and you're doing great work. Was so your family entrepreneurs or how did you get the bug when you were sitting there in college in your
1: room? I... Well, I'll start with Eric because I think he's got the more interesting answer. Uh, Eric, <laughs> Eric comes from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, at a minimum, both his grandfather and his father started uh, uh, businesses uh, that were very successful. Yeah. And I think from a very young age, you know, he was uh, very interested in that idea. Um, I don't necessarily come from a family of entrepreneurs. I've personally been always very interested in the idea, you know, from the sort of books that you read growing up, you know, the, like the the Steve Jobs of the world sure. and the Elon sure. Musks and you know people who, you know, when you're 13, 15 can be, you know, like sort of potential idols and you look and say what's all what's the same about all these people and you say well they all started a business that was very successful and were able to have these big impacts on the world and um, that was certainly always an interest to me. If you'd asked me going into college what my you know plan was, I would have told you, well, I think that I need a business and economics you know side of my education. Yep. I also, as a result of understanding you know these you know you can call them leaders that I saw out there, I think there's a need for a, a sort of STEM side of education as well to have some understanding of technical problem solving and technical proficiency. And then I'll graduate. I'll get maybe go get an engineering degree or an MBA or some combination thereof. Work in corporate America for 15, 20 years, figure out what my big idea is, and then go start it. Like that would have been the roadmap I laid out for you. And And I would have told you, like, I think I eventually want to go do this whole idea of business, but I have no idea what it actually means. That would have been 18 year old, you know, Connor saying, This is what I think the plan is. And, at the end of the day, an opportunity came along to learn about what starting a business, running a business was. And, you know, it started as a great opportunity to learn. And it, it still is a fantastic opportunity to learn. I learn something at, a, at least one thing every day, you know, when I go to work. Um, but it, it blossomed into so much more than that as well.
0: So just this week, tell me something that you learned.
1: Oh, goodness. I don't know. One of the biggest changes that... um you know, our organization has gone through is two years ago we weren't at 42 people right we were at like 15 um and so now i work with a lot more people on a daily basis and that's got to be challenging and a huge you know shift in the way that work gets done now for me personally and for our organization as a whole is how do you make that effective how do you go from being um Mr. Hands on and knowing everybody to knowing everyone, trying to understand everything that's going on constantly to giving people the opportunity to um, take ownership for their areas of responsibility um, so that, you know, you try to bring in people who are better than you at the area that you're bringing them in for. You know, not to say (laughs) say, I'm going to bring in someone who's better than me at, you know engineering to be our production engineer and repairs and maintenance like that's the ideal scenario right and then you can work on continuing to push the big picture forward um but it can be hard to let go even if that's the ideal you have in your mind is great this person is an expert at this we have more more expertise and experience than i've ever had at it um but then empowering them to actually take that ownership and you know, and be better at it than you ever were, and that's how you move the company forward to the next level. But it's a total shift in the way yep. that not only myself, but you know, Eric and the entire organization work and lead and and manage. I mean, it's 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 a big shift to make for an organization in yeah. a very short amount of time. It is, and the ways to do that effectively are the things I probably learn most often right now. It's like, well, that you that was an adequate way to do things uh, eight months ago. But now we've got two new people in that area of the company, and no longer is this an effective way to process method of communication and whatever it might be. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, trying to, um,
0: someone told me once, I was a real doer in my business, and someone told me once, you know, you don't necessarily have to make the fries. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's really good advice. Yeah and it it wasn't until I kind of took that advice to heart and really figured out okay do I have the right systems here so that if I'm not here someone knows what their job is knows how to do it just identifying operationally all that stuff
1: is challenging when working with great people i think is and should be very humbling you know you bring in great people for a reason everyone says aspirationally i want to have the best team that i work with but you know it's a very humbling experience to work with a Group of people who are very talented and experienced and bring a lot to the table uh, because they do they do all of that and and hopefully they're bringing ideas and thoughts and experiences that are different. You know that's again everyone can understand this in the ideal. <laughs> that's what I want to have happen. But when that actually happens, are you able to respond effectively and manage the inherent conflict that that can create among yeah. different people with different experiences and produce the right best outcome for the business and and have that you know have that system function well and and manage everyone's expectations and conflict and it's just different it's very different as you have teams that grow in size. Okay, so another sort of age related question
0: and then I promise it'll be the last one but so at being 25 you at this point are hiring people that are probably much senior to you. Absolutely. Is that weird or do you ever feel like, you know, like Here's someone I'm just gonna make up, you know, Mike the engineer, and he's old enough to be your dad, and you have to like talk to him or figure out how to work through some kind of issue
1: at work. Does that ever enter your mind? Um, it, it certainly has. I guess I will say it certainly, it certainly was something to yeah, wrap your I mind would think around. It would be at this point it's happened, you know, enough You're, that yeah, you learn how to approach those conversations. I don't think, um, you know, initially, of course, it's going to be something that's in the back of everyone's mind. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to either, you know, bringing someone in to do a job and then certainly once they're on the team, it's how can we create a productive, you know, relationship and, and process here to, to not have that be something that... Yeah, that, that, that's going to get in our way. That gets in the way.
0: It's probably helpful, too, that you have Eric to kind of bounce ideas off of or be like, wow, oh, dude, this was so weird.
1: <laughs> I absolutely believe that that's one of the things that's really allowed us to succeed, is Eric and I have, um, I think, very complementary skill sets and frequently slightly varied viewpoints. Not so varied that you know we're on like polar opposites. Yeah. But varied enough that, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other is very useful and frequently produces a better outcome. And maintaining that dynamic as we've grown has also been something that has been challenging at times. We've put more focus around is how can we not lose that interaction and that, you know, I'll almost call it a foil, uh, you know, of, of we believe produces great value for the organization. Right. Strategy you need a kind ideation. of yin and yang. Um, and and it, it, history tells us that that's a good thing. Uh, how do we preserve that while growing in breadth and scope and responsibility and all these other things? And I, I would credit that with, you know, uh, the fact the fact that we have the two of us, the fact that we have Eric with as much success as anything. Yep.
0: Well, it's been really fun to sit with you. I feel sort of honored that you took the time. You just is the week that you've introduced the five new flavors uh, it is Connor Ray, it's Johnny Pops, and I'll let you tell me about all your five new flavors. Just run them down so if people run to the grocery store, they can find them.
1: Absolutely. So uh, first off, we did sort of a, a reformulation, improved formulation of our old coffee chocolate flavor. Um, it's now called Cold Press Coffee and Chocolate. Um, it's, it's just a little bit creamier. The notes are a little bit stronger. And as we, we made some more of these non-fruit flavors, we just frankly got better at it. Yeah. And so we uh, we improved the that flavor in particular. Uh, we also added, uh, after much requesting, a just plain dark chocolate uh and cream pop. Uh, I would describe it as the best fudge sickle you've ever had. Oh, yum. Uh, we make it with uh, with a dark chocolate. It's super vibrant and flavorful, like all of our products. And, and I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who would we'd be sampling that coffee chocolate product and say, oh, it's a chocolate fla- f- flavor. No, it's coffee and chocolate. <laughs> well, now there is truly a, a, chocolate, uh, flavor. a chocolate flavor available. Um We also have, uh, you know, another very popular flavor set is our vanilla mint, which is dipped in a chocolate. Yum. Um, You know, vanilla and vanilla, you know, mint chip ice cream are, are some very popular flavor profiles out there, and I think our take on it is just fantastic. It's it's very fresh, very light. Um and I love the products that are dipped in chocolate. I think they're they're really good. They're really I good, ate good one and really fun. We came on air. Our other chocolate dip flavors, the one we were talking about earlier, that tart cherry dipped in the chocolate. You can call it our take on cherry Garcia. Um it's obviously sort of the hybrid of that fruit line as well as this delights line, but it's absolutely fantastic. And I think of all the new flavors potentially my favorite. Uh, Obviously, I'm a little biased, but um, (laughs) just a fantastic flavor. And then um, a unique flavor profile that we saw a a huge appetite for. And this was one where it's a hole in the market Um, when we were doing our internal testing, just off the charts on how much people love this one. But I don't think a lot of people know. It's sort of a dark horse. You got to try it to believe it. But it's our root beer float flavor. Um, and that one is just, I think it's going to be really exciting for people to try that one. It's unique, it's different, and it's really a fun sort of new flavor addition as a whole to the frozen treat category because it's not out there.
0: Yeah. Um, and it makes you think like afugado or, you know, how you put ice cream in the espresso, um, I could see that being something down the road too.
1: Yeah. And the, the best part but all of these is they're all um, 190 calories or less even though they're not the fruit first fruit first flavors they're still much better for you than a traditional ice cream treat lower in sugar calories yeah. fat simple clean ingredient statements you know we use things like you know vanilla ex- extract and you know the real tart cherries Connor I think you cherry. should run for office
0: cuz you're so good about <laughs> staying on message my word you just <laughs> You have uh you really sold me. I was sold before because I think your products are great, but I'm really excited to see where these new products take you. So in a year, I'm going to come back and we're going to do a phone interview and you're right. going to tell me how they ended up and if the cherry chocolate and cream ends up to be a, a winner for you. Will you be at the state fair again this year? We will be at the state fair again this year. And will you
1: year? try something new and I am not uh, allowed to disclose our okay. plans for the state fair. They take great pride every year in announcing the fun new things that are going to be happening out at All the right, state fair. All right. So I think it's but safe we are to say always, they're going to be there, always keeping uh our ideas flowing for fun things to do out there. It's I just love it's it. such a great event. Uh, if we're going to try to get a new year, do you want to uh, take a pick on which of these five new flavors that you think is going to be the best seller uh, over that period of time?
0: Uh, yes, I am going to say the um, I'm going to say the
1: mint. All right. I'll put my money where my mouth was and cherry say that chocolate, the cherry right? chocolate you is, right. is going to be the lead horse in this race. It all looks real good and beautiful packaging. Connor, oh, thank, thank you. you
0: for being here today. Oh,
1: of course. Thank you so much for yeah, having us. I can't
0: wait for us to help spread your story. Oh, yeah. Thank you.